listening live to Right Side Radio with Bill Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And, yep, like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, it is Friday, we like to say around here, and Boomer's on the board. Hey, bud, how you doing? Hey, I'm making it. Boomer's on the <laughs> <laughs> making it. <laughs> okay. I'm, I mean, I'm doing great. Okay, good. But we got new tech in here, so that's why I'm making it. I was going to say, not, it's not just my microphone. Now you got a whole new board over there. <laughs> like, there are more light switches, dials, and, and, and I don't know what you call those push-up things. But there's, the there's a lot of little slides. things over here. Yeah, and it's just all flashing, and I don't know what it does. But I'm pretty sure we just launched a nuclear missile. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but hey, hey, uh, by the way, Boomer, it's Friday. There's got to be an explosion. You ready? Hit oh, it. Oh, yeah. Friday. All right, there we go. All right, and by the way, it's the Friday of New Year's weekend. So for many of you guys, it's going to be a long weekend because Monday is New Year's Day. So blessings on you as we wrap up the year 2022. I think most of us are ready for 2022 to be wrapped up, too, by the way. I'm just pretty sure if that's fair to say. But, uh, Anyway, there's that. Hey, uh, we got a great show laid on for you. At 3 o'clock today, brand spanking new State Senator Lance Bell is going to be calling in. And by the way, Lance and I have known each other for years. Uh, he was uh, very involved with Republican politics, a chair of the St. Clair County Republican Party. I was a senator that covered part of St. Clair County in my district. And uh, he and I also, by the way, went to law school together. So, uh, old friend, glad to have him in the position he's in right now. But State Senator Lance Bell will be here at 3 p.m., so stand by for that. And then we got a triple dipper that's just full of stuff, so hit it, bud. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper, three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we do today's show. Number one of the Triple Dipper the 118th takes over. Uh, so yesterday, a friend of mine texted me, and he said that exact thing. He said, January 3rd, the 118th takes over. I thought he's a military friend. So I thought he was talking about a military unit. Then it dawned on me, oh, wait, that's the 118th Congress. They're seated on Tuesday. And we're going to talk through what you can expect, what the personalities are, who are the new people, how many veterans are in Congress, what kind of things we should expect from them in terms of policy. All of that. The 118th takes over. That's number one on the Triple Dipper. Stand by for it. And then number two, the energy question. So here's the deal. Gas prices, they're better than they were. They absolutely are. Um, how about home heating? Uh, a little different. How about diesel? Wow. Uh, what are we expecting this spring? Mm, mixed bag. Might go back up. We'll talk about it. The energy question is where we are in number two of the Triple Dipper. And then number three, as I was getting ready for today's show, I told Boomer earlier, I said, you know, I kept, I kept coming across a story or two, and I thought, you know what, I'm doing that. I'm just going to end it on a good note. I'm going to end the whole year on a good note. I got, I got a series of stories at the very end today that are just designed to li- – they're just chicken soup for the soul. You know what I'm saying? They're just designed to make you feel better. So we're going we're gonna to end on a good note, just positive stories about good folks doing good things for good, other good people. And, uh, yeah, that's it, number three, ending on a good note. Um, all right, I tell you what, let me jump over to my comments. And 
This comes from a series of things that I've been seeing in the news, you know, on TV, in discussion over the recent weeks. So let me start off by saying this, though. When I was in high school, my dad and I were sitting in church one Sunday, right? So have you ever seen somebody who's trying not to laugh because they know they're not supposed to or because the time is not appropriate, but they just can't help it, and that makes it worse? You know, they get that spasmodic face-scrunching kind of lips-pursed look. Well, that, that was dad. We're sitting there in church, and I sensed that something was going on. I looked over, and he had his eyes closed, and his shoulders were shaking as he was doing his best not to laugh. So I leaned over a bit, and I said, what are you doing? And he caught his breath for a minute, and he wiped away one of those laughter tears, and he whispered back, look at my feet. So trying not to be too conspicuous, I leaned forward and looked down, and then it was my turn to have a quiet fit. I mean, it was all I could do to keep it together because my dad was sitting there with two completely different shoes on. Completely different. I don't mean similar. I'm not a bit. One was black with laces and the other was a medium brown loafer. I mean, apparently he'd been getting dressed that morning and trying to figure out which pair of shoes went with his suit. And he got distracted by a phone call or something. He never made it back to the ultimate question. So off he went to church, oblivious to the fact that his feet came from two different worlds. And to make it funnier... By the time we figured it out, he had already spent the morning in Sunday school and walking around greeting people and being the very visible guy that he was. There's no telling how many people saw his crazy foot fashion and just wondered what was up. And didn't nobody say nothing. We laughed about it for years. Well, listen, Dad's story was good for a laugh, and it wasn't really a big deal. But I got to tell you, there's a strong movement out there right now that's creating the false narrative that saying something constructive to someone is a bad thing. Well, that's a sentiment that's good for snowflakes and the echo chambers of safe spaces on college campuses, but it is not a sentiment that is good for life. Let me tell you, a good friend, a real friend, is someone who will tell you something you need to hear whether or not you want to hear it. And I don't mean just letting you know when you've got food in your teeth or when your shoes don't match. Those are important. But I'm talking about being there to let you know when you're headed down the wrong path of life. There's a time and a place, and certainly the manner in which the information is delivered is also important. It's also important, by the way, that you have earned the right to share candid thoughts with someone and you're not just butting in with no relationship to offer some unsolicited advice. But if all those parameters are in place, then yes, it needs to happen occasionally, and actually it's very healthy. In my first job out of college, I worked in a rehab center for adolescents. My boss was of the mind that if we were going to be in the business of helping kids understand why they might need to change their behavior, that we needed to be able to do so ourselves. So it wasn't uncommon for her to make the whole group of us sit around a conference table and give and receive what she called constructive criticism, something positive and something constructive. And it was a royal pain, and it felt awkward as all get out, and sometimes it felt like a tooth-pulling session, but ultimately, I saw the value in it. Well, an article came out today that described how liberal comedian and commentator Bill Maher just criticized what he referred to as woke progressives. Well, that's interesting because I would have thought of him in that vein. But it appears more and more that Mars is someone who is willing to call it like he sees it. And he's of the belief that far left wokists are destroying his own political party. So he says something. Tulsi Gabbard, she famously left the Democrat Party. Significant in any event, but even more so considering that she was most recently a Democrat member of Congress and she ran for president on the Dem ticket. Even when she was still a registered Democrat, though, she filed suit against Hillary Clinton for defamation, and she called out her own party on multiple issues. And now she's a guest host for Tucker Carlson. Go figure. Dr. Anthony Fauci, oh, he's been in the news lately, again. You may recall that he was a public advocate for his way or the highway. If you criticized him, you are really criticizing science. 
Apparently, the staff at Twitter even had a special Anthony Fauci day and blithely followed his calls for censorship and made sure no one else could debate Fauci's COVID science. Well, now the left is freaking out because Elon Musk has declared that open debate on questions of science will once again be allowed. Even if they don't want to hear it, they're going to hear it. But not to be too partisan here, how about Republicans? Well, I'm hearing lots of calls for the Republican Party and the new Congress to come together, put aside their differences, and move forward and elect Kevin McCarthy as speaker on day one. Well, to be clear, I want them to come together too, but I also want to know that there's room for internal debate and that nothing is just a lock because one person says so. I mean, they'll figure it out, and McCarthy will likely be the speaker, but there needs to be a serious and well-rounded internal debate that leads to some healthy decision-making in the GOP caucus. McCarthy and the moderates, they need to hear what the Freedom Caucus is saying, whether they like it or not. So in the end, someone has to make a decision, someone has to be in charge, but in the end, we also have to have a society that encourages healthy debate. That's even scriptural, and I've quoted it here before, but here it is again. We are to be ready at all times to explain why we believe what we believe, but to do so with gentleness and respect. That's in 1 Peter 3.15, by the way. And yes, I know that verse is really talking about explaining our faith, but it's also a principle that can extend to virtually anything. We have got to be willing and able and allowed to say things that need to be said in politics, in our families, at work, in life in general. It means being willing to love them enough to make them mad at you. It means being an honest broker. Debate is healthy. And that's a wrap for the Right Side Way. Well, there you have it. Final monologue of 2022, Booms. Final one. That's awesome. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a year and a half of doing this, but um, there it is. Honest brokers. Got to go into the new year recognizing that there's got to be debate. You can't do this whole snuffing out the opinions because you don't like them. You can't do the whole trigger words. You can't do safe spaces. Let's get real. Respectfully, share what needs to be shared and move forward. Bill Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio covering all of north alabama solid conservative and just plain right oh saving the world one sound bite at a time i like to say so um yeah so we're going to move into talking about the uh the, the 118th takes over so there's a lot of things to expect but before i do that i i, I gotta go back to what i was talking about in my monologue by the way tons of people already uh checked checked in so we got we got, I, I bet we literally had like 10 or 12 texts just drop in, bada boom, like that. Um, some of them are commenting on the uh, the monologue. Uh, uh, a couple of them are commenting that the new, by the way, Boomer, some of them are commenting that the, the new sound is, is like silky smooth. Ooh, silky smooth. I like it. Silky smooth. Like, yes. Like, yes. I don't know how you've done it, but you've made my voice extremely <laughs> sexy. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, Boomer's got a brand new board. Phil's got a new microphone. What's happening around here? We got all the tech. Um, do you know what all the buttons are yet, though? 
Not all of them. I mean, I have, a, I have a general idea. I mean, I understand mixing boards, but this one's just new. You know, everything's new. It's fun. So when you worked in the uh, country music environment up in Nashville, how much time did you spend in studios? Uh, in and out? In and out of studios. Yeah. With, with, with my artist, yes. Do they know? I mean, like when, you have a, when you're in a serious studio, like they've got a panel. Like your, your board is like one-tenth the size of the boards they would have in those studios, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, those studios are, I mean, they're giant. And then some of them just have so much history in it, so it's fun to it's fun to be in them. But, what, but you, you imagine, I, I've looked at them before, like watching a, a documentary or something, you think, do they know what all those slides do? I mean, Oh, yes, they do. They know every small little <laughs> really? button. Oh, every yes. little nuance? Oh, yeah. All right. And, and, and when, they do, when they do them at, uh, at concerts, do they have a board at the concert, too, to adjust sound and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. Front of house boards and monitor boards on the back of house crazy. on the stage. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's all, it's all kinds of fun Yeah, in case stuff. y'all didn't know, by the way, we, we snagged Boomer out of the country music environment he had been in up in Nashville for many years. <laughs> uh, uh, toured with some big names, uh, did a lot of stuff. And, and, and I, I love, Boomer, you said at one point, too, you basically got to be an adult babysitter <laughs> because you had to handle the tour and the tour bus and make sure people were at the show on time and all that kind of stuff, too, right? All right. I was just, I was the wrangler, but it was, it was a lot of fun you when were I was a there. cat wrangler is what you were. <laughs> Herding them cats, man. Yeehaw! That's right. Um, all right, listen, we got some stuff for you today. And, uh, and it is, by the way, the last show of the year. And that's, um, that's just good. So we have been doing this now for a year and a half. Uh, we literally started on the 1st of July of 2021, and now here we are moving into our third calendar year uh, after, what, 18 months of, uh, of doing the broadcast, and never never could have imagined in my wildest dreams that it was going to take... I mean, at first when they asked you know, about doing a show, I was like, you want to do what? <laughs> I'm thinking, first of all, how, how do I even talk for, for two hours? No, it's a three-hour show. Three hours?! Anyway, here we are, a year and a half later, and you guys, you audience guys and ladies, have made this show uh, what it is. And um, and Boomer and I could sit here, and we can we can play with all the switches, and we can have all the microphones. It means nothing if y'all aren't out there. And so I will just tell you this: as we end 2022, we do not take you for granted. This show, uh, Right Side Radio, exists for y'all, and I, I say it all the time. We have what we call the mission and the message. I don't mind telling you, the mission is that every single day we come on and do what I call the four E's. We're going to educate, enlighten, empower, and entertain you so that you can just hear all the stuff that sort of gives you what you need to walk out in the world and and be the conservative that you are walking in today's world. Have those water cooler conversations, talk to your friends, know who to vote for, make your decisions with the facts in hand, all those things. That's important. That's the mission, the four E's. But the message The message is why the mission exists. The message is that all the time on this show, I want you guys to hear four things from me. Jesus is Lord. America is great. Alabama is beautiful. Oh, by the way, life is worth living. And uh, so that's why we exist. But like I said, doesn't work without y'all. So thank you again for a year and a half and ending 2022 on a high note. We look forward to what 2023 brings. All right. Let me tell you, the 118th Congress is about to take over. And that's good doings. I'm glad. I am so glad, like beyond glad, that I don't have to watch Nancy Pelosi carrying the gavel anymore. Um, that, that's just, just, whoa. 
That's hard, by the way. And by the way, that that craggy that craggy hand <laughs> holding that that gavel, and, and you know, and just you look at it and go, "Lady, did you have nothing else in life you cared about? Why are you here? Don't you have grandkids? Don't you have people you want to see? Isn't there something you want to like some porch you want to sit on and enjoy the view? But no, she's gonna hang on to that gavel till someone takes it away from her. Well, but she ain't alone. I mean. Richard Shelby's retiring in his, what, 80s? You got, uh, I think, Mitch McConnell's in his 80s. Um, and, I, and I look at this and think, come on, y'all. Well, nonetheless, the new Congress is being seated next Tuesday. Thank you again to um, uh, our friend, our listener from uh, Shelby County, who squared me away the other day when I couldn't remember when. She, and I got the text. They, they, she said that they're, they're being seated on, on Tuesday, January 3rd. Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, but, but... What's going to happen? Because it doesn't matter who they are. What matters is what they do. Um, I say that loosely. It does matter who they are, but you know what I mean. What are they going to do when they get there? I mean, I, I, it's one thing. I do want to see the investigations. I think Hunter Biden has to be investigated. I think the Biden administration has to be investigated. I'm good with that. Do it. Get it done. I look at what all we endured for the last several years. Get her done. But I don't want that to be what they exist for. They don't exist just for investigations. Those are ancillary to what they're really supposed to be there for, which is putting in place good public policy that benefits the nation and puts us in a better place and protects us from hard times and, for that matter, prevents hard times. That's what I want to see happen. So, and I don't know who this speaker is going to be. Right now, it does appear it will be McCarthy, but McCarthy is still struggling. He's on the phone even today having a conference call with the various factions like the Freedom Caucus and others and trying to win their support and making concessions, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, daggum, get in there and do some things that you say you stand for. That's what I care about. I know we're going to have a split Senate. That's just the possibilities, you know, that's going to be more difficult. I get it. Um, McConnell. Mm. But at the very least, we have a narrow majority and look at what Pelosi did with a narrow majority. I mean, if you're a liberal, you had what you wanted for the last few years. Doesn't matter whether the Senate was going to get it done. I will say this, uh, for all her warts and blemishes and plastic surgeries, Nancy Pelosi um, was not afraid to go get done what she wanted to get done, even with a narrow majority. We have got to have that focus. So we'll come right back and we'll talk about it. The 118th takes over. Oh, Lord. Let's get her done. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative. Just plain right. Moving all over the northern part of the state of Alabama. I'm talking about we are down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gaston, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. A, um, we're in the 118th Congress. I know the phones are already ringing. Text lines are open, too, by the way. 833-687-4448 is the number. 833-68-RIGHT. That's the way we work it. 833-68-RIGHT. So, yeah, if you want to call or text in, you are welcome to it. Uh, we're going to start diving, diving right in here to the 118th Congress. The 118th Congress is convening next week. What's going to happen? What are they bringing to the table? Who are they? And uh, what will they do when they get there? Uh, Boomer, if you got a call for me, I'll take that before I jump into my topic. I'll, I'll be glad to real quick. Is that uh, line one? Yeah. Sparky from Har- is it Sparky? Yep. Sparky from Harvest. How you doing, man? Hey, happy Friday and happy almost new year to you and Boomer. Great show. Great topics. Thank you, sir. Uh, very excited. Very excited to see some fresh new blood. Hopefully new attitudes and new energy instead of same old, same old, uh, typical mainstream Republican play along to get along to get along to roll over and give the Democrats whatever they want. I think I think these elderly these elderly geriatric people like uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and, and others, they hang on so long because power power and money is so seductive. Yeah. And it can make you feel young and vital because people around you become sycophants because, you know, flies are attracted to the Whatever in the middle there, and 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 they, and they just they just feel alive, raking in all that all that money from insider training and insider deals and connections. But it's 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 seductive. Power is an aphrodisiac, and that's why even a fossil like Nancy Pelosi has hung on for so long. She can't put a coherent sentence together. But but there it is. I, I, my blessings and hope. Hope for a bright future with this 118th Congress. Well, I, I appreciate it, Sparky, and thanks for your earlier comments, too. And, uh, and I'll tell you this. I think one other thing I would add to your comments, I think there are also plenty of times when people stay there so long that it becomes their identity, and they don't know who they are if they're not an elected official. I've seen that in Montgomery, even. Uh, it's sad, but it's true. Well, that it becomes their identity. I'm, I'm lucky in that I've never identified with my job in my career. I, I worked my last day Ever today, I'm retiring today. Hey, and, congratulations. Uh, Hit that applause there, Boomer. Hit the applause. Here we go. Sparky, retiring. Congratulations, man. But I'm 63 and a half, and I, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. Uh, there, there are adventures. There's learning. There's growing. There's continue, continuing education. I'm just so excited to maybe figure it all out. I want to be, I want to be as good a person as my daughter and granddaughter are because they're so flipping awesome and they're the future. And, uh, again, back to the hope for the future. We can only wish for a, a, a great and happy new year and much better than this, this complete horrible monstrosity that was uh, 2022. <laughs> Good enough. Hey man, happy new year to you. Congratulations on your retirement. Well earned. And thanks for your service, brother. You too. Thank you, sir. All right, Appreciate see you. you. Oh, man. Phones are still ringing. I might not even get to this dipper. And John from Huntsville will let me know if I don't. He already told me that he is praying right now that I can end the year on a high note by getting all three of my dippers. <laughs> and I appreciate it, John. Thank you for your support. Um, 
I tell you what, there's two that I definitely want to get to today. The 118th Congress, which I will get through this thing. It's an important one because uh, I want to talk about it before they arrive in, in office next week. And then the other one, though, is the one uh, sort of taking what John from Huntsville said in his text. I'm going to end on a good note. That's number three on the Triple Dipper. It's ending on a good note. Uh, I've got a series of good news stories, and this show is going to end on a high note uh, with those. Have you got another call, Boomer? Are we good? Nope. All right. Let me do this. I'm going to jump right in here. All right, story. First one broke a little while ago. It was not even one of the stories that I gathered this morning and sent to Boomer. I had to pull it myself a little while ago. Um, McCarthy is apparently, stories are coming out left and right. Uh, Story broke here about two hours ago. Kevin McCarthy is allegedly making concessions to the more conservative wing of the Republican caucus to gain their support for his House speakership position. All right, story on CNN is where I pulled this one. Uh, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy has offered a key concession to critics of, of his bid for House speakership during private conversations this week. Here's the concession. One of the rules, by the way, and, and if you remember, we had a guy on the show two, three weeks ago, Andy Roth, who used to be with the uh, Club for Growth. Now he's with the State Freedom Caucus. Uh, and he he made the point that even if you don't um, get a new speaker, it's it's more important that what you do is change the rules. He said, because the rules are what drives the way things work. And I thought that was a very cogent statement. So the rules, the variety of rules they're looking for, one of which is that they would allow more time before a bill comes to a vote for the members to be allowed to read it. That sounds novel, but there it is. They want the rule. The other one, though, is they, the, the, the Freedom Caucus is holding out, asking for a rule, a change, that would allow them to force a floor vote on getting rid of a sitting Speaker of the House with fewer people required to bring it to a vote. Well, right now, the, the, the majority of the House is required for the motion to vacate the Speaker's chair to be taken up. All right? What they're asking for now, and the concession we're hearing that McCarthy might give, is a five-person threshold, meaning if five members of Congress are willing to get together um, and call for the vote, that they could, they could do it. Now, what that does, and by the way, that's how they got rid of John Boehner. The Freedom Caucus was responsible for that. And then the rule changed. Oh, because it was too easy to get rid of a speaker. So the rule changed to protect a speaker. Well, you don't need to protect a speaker. A speaker needs to do their job. Now, what I don't want to see is the Democrats every single day calling for a new vote, calling for a new vote, calling for a new vote. Because once McCarthy gets in there, whoever it is gets in there, you're going to see Democrats hate what they're doing. Um, There's got to be some decorum in the Congress. But I do believe there should be the ability for them to remove a sitting speaker by calling for a vote on the vacation of the speaker's chair. Right now, what we're hearing is coming in the door. Uh, There may be an agreement in the works that would allow for that threshold to be dropped down as far as five. Uh, The moderates want it to be 50. (laughs) Anyway, um, we'll see what happens. So an article here on Washington Examiner's uh, website is, um, is, is the headline reads this, and the story came out uh, yesterday. Republicans enter 2023 divided from within. All right. One thing that I've learned is when you watch the media is headlines are designed to be attention grabbers. I don't think the story talks about as much about division as it does about debate. And I think that's important. It goes back to my monologue a while ago. There has to be the allowance for debate. You have to be allowed to openly say, I see it differently, or here's what you could do better, or uh, I just want to add this piece to it, whatever. But there has to be the ability for healthy debate. If you can't have that, 
then you've got a problem. Well, I think most of what we're seeing right now is, is that the Republicans are debating amongst themselves because they've been out of power long enough to where they want to get in and get it right. And there are different factions within that group that want to see certain things because their version of right is a little bit different than the others who are standing there with them. In the end, I do believe we're going to wind up seeing the Republicans figure it out and they're going to move forward. All right. Um, but there needs to be a debate. Washington Examiner says, Republicans are entering the new year with a seemingly fractured message as lawmakers are split on a myriad of issues ranging from who to select as House Speaker to who should be their 2024 presidential nominee. Uh, no, that's called a primary. Uh, the primary is what it is. Um, uh, I do believe there's some fuss right now about the speakership for the House, but there should be. There should be no cakewalk. There should be no establishment. There should be no um, get out of the way because that person is the heir apparent. I don't mind that Andy Biggs from the Freedom Caucus has stepped up and said, I'll run against McCarthy. And he may never get a chairmanship out of this. He may never. Uh, but then again, uh, it might force some changes to the rules and yay for it. So um, I'm a little bit, Washington Examiner is usually very conservative, but I differ with that headline. I think this is debate, not division. Uh, we'll see. Um, the other things that, that I'll say, too, is, is, is one of the things McCarthy has made very clear is there will be some changes to the Nancy Pelosi era of doing business in the Capitol. First of all, Epoch Times reports that as of um, next week, that assuming that he takes the position, and he's, right now he's, he's the person who's expected to, to be most likely the, the next Speaker of the House, that the U.S. Capitol will be fully reopened to the American people. It's been closed for 973 days. That's two years since seven months and 29 days since Pelosi closed things down uh, and, and would not allow uh, opportunity for entry by the general public. Uh, that's got to change. And, and so, you know, it's not COVID anymore. January 6th, the, the insurrection is, is over. Um, and it's time for the people's house to be the people's house again. Well, Kevin McCarthy says that is going to happen. He's already notified uh, the Capitol complex and the uh, Capitol uh, uh, police and that they are, are, are made aware that should he be the speaker, that the doors will be reopened to the American public. Um, the other things that are going to end, which, God, first of all, I get remote work. I know you can do remote work. And depending upon the job, remote work might even be the way it works. You know, you can... You can write editorials and send them into a paper, I get it, but at some point, some offices have to get back to live work, and one of those is Congress. They have been allowing remote hearings and proxy voting for ever, for the last two years. That's got to end. Well, McCarthy says that will end. Those, expected to, those procedures are expected to be abolished next week, and, and Congress... Uh, members of Congress will have to wind up coming back to D.C. and doing what they do in the halls of Congress like they're supposed to. So, yay. All right, I got a story here that we're going to come right back to. We'll go ahead and take the break. When we get back, though, I thought that one of the things that was important to note is that we're looking at having more veterans in the 118th Congress than ever before. We've literally got 19 new veterans coming in, uh, a mixed bag of, of every one of the branches, male and female and Republican and Democrat. We come right back. I'll tell you who they are, where they're from, and some of what their backgrounds are. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid conservative, just plain right. Saving the world one soundbite at a time. So the 118th Congress taken over. Um, one of the things that I find interesting, and a lot of you will too, I imagine, knowing this audience, is that there are 19 new veterans coming in, uh, making this the Congress that has the most veterans, I think, ever. Um, 118th Congress will now have a cohort of 97 total veterans, including a couple of historic firsts, Congress's first two black West Point graduates. Um, So this story off of military.com dated yesterday lays them all out there for us. Uh, And it's, by the way, of the 19 new ones, 16 of them are Republicans. Um, Two of those guys are are West Point buddies who graduated in the same class, class of 2004. uh, And they are also the ones that they made note are... um, both uh, black Republican uh, congressmen and graduates of, the, of West Point. Uh, Republican representatives elect Wesley Hunt of Texas and John James of Michigan. I like John James, by the way. I've seen him several times uh, on uh, various newscasts. The guy is just sharp as a tack, man. Um, anyway, they come in having graduated from West Point together. Both were Apache helicopter pilots. Uh, John James... Uh, served in the Army for eight years, a career that included multiple tours in Iraq as an Apache helicopter pilot. He's a Ranger-qualified aviation officer uh, who also ran for prior office, uh, but he flew 750 combat hours in uh, Iraq. Uh, His buddy uh, Hunt from Texas also served in the Army for eight years as an Apache pilot, one deployment to Iraq, two to Saudi Arabia. Um, He also uh, had run for the House prior, uh, didn't make it. Um, And Hunt, by the way, started his own pack called Hellfire Pack, uh, which is uh, in a nod to his military background and um, and has spoken about needing to diversify the GOP. Well, here they are. Uh, the women who were just recently elected, uh, you got uh, Republican representatives elect Jen Kiggins of Virginia and Anna Paulina Luna of Florida. Um, let's see what Kiggins is a, as a Navy veteran. Um, and then Luna, um, uh, she was, I think she was Army. I'm trying to find it in the article. I just lost that place. I don't see where she says where she was. Um, Kiggins, yeah, Kiggins, uh, yes, uh, Kiggins with Air Force. I'm sorry. Kiggins uh, served in the Virginia State Senate also for the last two years. She was a Navy pilot. And then uh, Luna is an Air Force veteran who served on active duty for five years as an airfield manager and also in the Air, Air National Guard. Uh, we have other people like uh, Derek Van Orden of Wisconsin, a retired Navy SEAL, served for 26 years. Uh, we got uh, Eli Crane of Arizona, Republican, Navy, former Navy SEAL, um, did uh, five tours uh, uh, overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan with SEAL Team 3. Uh, uh, Corey Mills of Florida, an Army veteran, survived an IED attack in 2006 in Iraq. Um, Rich McCormick, I got to go ahead and go through all of them, I guess. Rich McCormick, Republican from Georgia, former Marine. Uh, Representative-elect Zach Nunn of Iowa, Republican, Air Force veteran, flew nearly 1,000 combat flight hours during three deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, mostly reconnaissance. Um, Don Davis, Democrat, North Carolina, Air Force Academy grad, was a mortuary officer. Ooh, wow, there's a job I wouldn't want, but uh, was a mortuary officer at Joint Base Andrews. Uh, Representative-elect Jeff Jackson, Democrat, North Carolina, major in the North Carolina Army National Guard's Judge Advocate General Corps, spent a year in in Kandahar. Uh, Afghanistan. Uh, Nick LaLota, uh, Republican New York, Naval Academy grad, surface warfare officer for eight years. Brandon Williams, Republican New York, Navy veteran, nuclear submarine officer for five years. Uh, Max Miller, Republican Iowa, or excuse me, Ohio, 
a Marine Corps reservist, um, former aide to Donald Trump. Uh, Chris Deluzio, Democrat, Pennsylvania, Naval Academy grad, six years of service, touring Iraq. Uh, Representative-elect Keith Self, Republican, Texas, West Point grad, former Green Beret, served from 75 to 99, and then again called back to active duty in 2002 and 3, uh, served in Afghanistan. And then Representative-elect uh, Morgan Luttrell. You may know him as being the brother of his twin brother of uh, Marcus Luttrell, uh, famous for Operation Red Wing, the uh, lone survivor. Um, anyway, Morgan Luttrell from Texas, Republican, uh, former Navy SEAL himself, medically discharged after suffering traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injuries in a helicopter crash. Um, and then J.D. Vance, Republican, Ohio, uh, former Marine Corps officer for four years with time in Iraq. That's just cool. All right, there, I ran through the whole list because once I got started, it's kind of like leaving somebody out with all the thank yous. You feel like you got to go, <laughs> go through the whole list. But there they are. Uh, very cool, very awesome to see that the 118th Congress is coming in and is going to have 97 veterans. Uh, that should mean good things, I would hope, for veterans affairs issues. Now, who's not coming in? Happy to report that four members of the January 6th commission will not be returning. <laughs> anyway, and by the way, the January 6th commission itself won't be returning. All good news. Um, but yeah, so Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinzinger of uh, Illinois, and then Democrats uh, Elaine Luria of Virginia and Stephanie Murphy of Florida are all not returning, along with the January 6th commission not returning. Now, there was an article on Fox. Um, which one do I want here? I got a Red State article, too. Article on Red State. I'll do that one first. Article on Red State. I thought this was interesting. Red State, by the way, is a very partisan, conservative, right-wing news site. You can expect the commentary there to be a lot like this show. Headline here, hopefully the GOP-led House will find someone with a political spine like Nancy Pelosi. What? Well, kind of like what I said earlier, actually. And the, and the author even says, I'm sure some people reading the title are thinking, why would anybody writing at Red State have something complimentary to say about Nancy Pelosi? Well, he goes on to say, I don't like her policies at all. But he says that even with her ability to mess things up, she has one admirable quality that someone, anyone in the GOP leadership should try to emulate. He says she is simply not afraid to challenge her opponents to rip the power from her cold, dead, bony fingers to stop her getting her ideology-based legislation passed. Well, that's it. She was never afraid to do what she had to do for her cause. We've got to find some Republicans in the 118th to do the same. All right. That's about how far we're going to get on that one. Listen, we're going to take a phone call here in a few minutes. Uh, State Senator Lance Bell calling in. Friend of mine, just elected to the Alabama State Senate. We'll see what he has to say. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. All right, so we're taking a break from the triple dippers here for a minute. Going to go to the phones and bring on somebody who I've had the pleasure of knowing now for a number of years. So Lance Bell is a brand spanking new Alabama state senator recently elected to serve District 11. He hails from the St. Clair County area. Uh, I've known Lance for a number of years. Uh, he is a former uh, Republican Party chairman for St. Clair County. Uh, his career spans things like spending seven years working for the St. Clair County Sheriff's Department to include the Drug Task Force, graduated from law school, uh, went on to work for the DA's office, now in private practice uh, there in St. Clair, and uh, now in the uh, Alabama State Senate. So without any further ado, State Senator Lance Bell, how you doing, man? Doing good. How about you this afternoon? I'm good. And uh, by the way, uh, little known factoid is you and I graduated law school together. I just hope nobody holds that against me. <laughs> it's the other way around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, hey, and I got to tell, I got to tell a brief, quick story here. Uh, so I got elected um, to uh, the state Senate District 10, which used to include parts of St. Clair County, Northern St. Clair. And you were the party chair down there, and I called you. I never forget this. I called you one day. I've told this story a bunch of times, and I said, "Hey, man, give me the lay of the land. I mean, uh, how many? Like, what's the percentage of Democrats in your area?" And you literally said to me, "You said Democrats. What's that? We don't allow those down here." <laughs> <laughs> I always tell them our sheriff don't allow them in our county. We have a good county. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So you're elected. Now what? Uh, but uh, congratulations, well, by the way. First time I've had a chance to really talk to you since then. Well, thank you. I've um, been drinking out of a water hose you know, sure. the last month or so. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm that's true. And do you have any idea about appointments to committees? Do you know where you're going to be in terms of uh, where you plan to serve on a committee or anything? I uh, kind of got some ideas. Uh, we'll find that out, uh, I think, January 10th for sure. Is that when the organizational and, uh, session happens this year? The 10th, 11th, and 12th. Yeah, well, good. Um, well, I, I could see you serving in a variety of ways, not the least of which is Judiciary Committee with your legal background. Um, but and, and, I, and I'll tell you, too, man, I, I got down there. I didn't even know where the bathrooms were, and I was already voting on things. But, um, <laughs> but uh, being on judiciary as a lawyer means a lot because you, you – and you've had it – you've seen it both the criminal code and the civil. Um, so you've had a chance to, to see some things, and you understand the meanings of certain words within the law. Uh, so I look forward to seeing how you're going to work with that uh, with that uh, aspect of it. And I look forward to the challenge and, you know, kind of figuring out what I'm going to be doing, um, kind of getting an understanding of it, kind of like, as you know, reading in the book and applying the laws, well, two different things. So I've been reading the rules of the Senate, and now just kind of watch and figure out how to apply those rules. Well, um, you had pretty good support. I mean, looking at the spread you won by, um, it was it was it was not even close. Uh, especially in your primary, um, but uh, but now that you're there, I mean you you've got a thriving law practice. Uh, you've got plenty of other things you could have done in life. Uh, tell me what was your motivation? Why 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 even do this, man? I mean you you could be doing other things if you know what I mean. This is a full time part time job. 
you get frustrated watching what's going on and knowing that Senator McClendon was retiring. I've got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, and if not me, who? If, if it's not me, who's going to try to look out for them in their future and try to create better opportunities for them, then who would it be? And um, there was nobody really stepping up. And so for some reason, um, I jumped out there. And, of course, I think my wife's about ready to choke me, but, um, <laughs> you know, she was supportive. And it's just kind of a, you know, a change that we're, we're experiencing and we'll get used, used to that. The phone does not quit ringing, especially since um, this incident going on in Moody has really kept me busy the last couple of weeks working on it. Yeah. I, I want to get to that in just a minute too. Um, before I do that, let me, let me just ask you, are there any particular issues that, that I mean, as my audience gets to know you and we're going to have you back on at other times and, and, and talk, you know, specifics but is there any particular issue right now in the broad sense that was like part of your passion like i'm going to montgomery because i want to work on what you know i really it's it's hard to say there's one specific issue we have a you know many issues but one of them is making sure we're spending within our budget and uh, being conservative on that there's some things there whether it's on the welfare side uh, things of that nature, and but another issue we've got is respect in law enforcement, mm. and it, it goes back to used to when you got in trouble at school, you got in trouble at home. Well, now you get in trouble at school, and the parents want to whoop the teacher. They don't. They don't get onto the kids when they get home, and we've got to figure out how to turn that tide and get back the respect at, at school, the respect in the community, and that from from our citizens, and, and show trust and. And I don't know if that's a better understanding of what's going on um, and, and how to how to do that. Um, another issue we're facing in St. Clair County, and I did not realize this until during the election, was our emergency services. Um, and I found that out through, as you know, we've got the veterans home there in Pell City. Yeah. And found out that if they take a veteran over to the hospital, it may be five hours, eight hours, or 24 hours until an ambulance can pick them up and take them back over to the veterans home and there's been some times they've had to do some things that really probably shouldn't have done, but they had to do to transport them back over there. And I know we've got a great county fire association in St. Clair County, and then they're working with the ambulance services. And I think it's recruitment. The ambulance services will tell you we can't find bodies to put on, on the ambulance. Well, that's in everything we do right now, whether it's the restaurants we go to that are seating half the restaurant or anything we're doing. They can't find people to work, and we've got to, we've got to figure out how to put our citizens back to work. Uh, and I agree with all that. Let me ask you this. What about education? I mean, here we are still ranking at the bottom of the nation in terms of our education rankings. Do you see any opportunities for school choice or for improvements to the way we do business in terms of education? Well, we've got to make some changes. And I don't know exactly what those changes are, but we've got to make some changes, but especially since COVID. I mean, I've said this, and I'm not being disrespectful to our local school system, but my kids have not got the education they would have received since COVID hit. The virtual learning does not work. Um, They're not getting the classroom instruction. I think it's all across the board. Uh, I think it's a a national issue, and I'm not sure how we're going to tackle that, where there's going to be some coaches in the schools or or what we're going to do. We've got to get our kids back that missed that period of time 
and get them back to where they need to be. And that, that's that's a big issue, in my opinion. Well, I, 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 I agree with that. Hey, listen, man, let me switch to a local thing because uh, uh, your your whole di- – by the way, what all – District 11, since they did reapportionment, what all do you uh, have in your district right now? What counties and, and communities? I've got, I've got the bulk of St. Clair County, uh, all except for basically Steele, Asheville, and Raglan. I've got the bulk of Talladega County, uh, all except for Munford and a little bit of Sylacauga, and then Wilsonville. Columbiana and Calera in Shelby County. Okay, wow, that's good. That's, that's a good large district. Yeah, it is. That's some good communities too. Um, so that being said, Moody is in your district, and you got a freaking landfill on fire down there. Uh, but it's like burning underground and creating all kinds of toxic smoke. What is the status of this, and what's ADEM saying? What's EPA saying, or for that matter, what's the landfill manager saying? Well, the landfill is owned by an individual, and there's not a lot of being said. Um, and as you learned when you were in the Senate, government works kind of slow. <laughs> but I will, I will say the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of moving parts. And I think with the St. Clair County Commission, ADEM, the governor's office, I think people are coming together. And I think next week you'll see some progress on that. It's not, and it's not a short-term progress. It's going to be a very expensive undertaking um and it's going to take some time to remedy that situation and it it's dangerous i i flew over it two weeks ago in a helicopter and you could watch the smoke going into trustful you know going into irondale and that's 25 days after it was burning and you could see the smoke going into the houses and people are talking about their houses are full of smoke their furniture their clothes their breathing their lungs um it's, it's creating a very difficult situation down there, but I think you're going to see first part of next week, the county commission in St. Clair County is going to probably call a emergency commission meeting, and in conjunction, I think they're going you're going to see the state and everybody come together. It took a little time, and I think the holidays hindered it a little bit, everybody out of town and taking time off, but getting everybody together, but I think you're finally going to see that come together next week. And there's been a lot of moving parts and a lot of people that's been working hard behind the scenes quietly trying to make it happen. I, I believe they're going the, – the citizens, I think, will see some some progress next week. Well, so so uh, well, you always hate to hear that the holidays got in the way of doing something to stop people from choking on smoke. But uh, but nonetheless, they're, they're going to do – but it's not open flames, right? We're not looking at like a forest fire. It's like it's smoldering but, underneath the piles, right, with smoke it, it coming out it, through the it, holes? It started out above ground, and – I think there's estimates of 80 foot to 120 foot deep. Wow. That that goes down there. So you've got layers of what they call green material. <clears throat> and that green material will then have a cover of uh, dirt, more green material, a cover of dirt, more green. And it's built up and it's a pretty, pretty deep. Well, it burned above ground and then got underground. And it looks like a volcano in areas, if you go up there, where there's big cracks on the ground and you can feel the heat and the smoke. You I mean, when it, you would think as much hard rain as we've had during period of times during this, it don't affect it. It don't it don't affect it at all. It's not put it out at all. There's and Moody has put tens of thousands of gallons of water on top of this and it just it don't slow the burn at all. Wow. That's just weird. 
Uh, I remember hearing about a coal, a coal mine up in uh, Pennsylvania that caught fire underground, and it, it went on for years. Um, yes, well, the, the problem is it's in the Agmar community of um, Moody, and it's actually right outside the city limits of Moody. But Moody has done a real good job when they got the call of protecting the houses around it. I think total of nine departments responded and were on the scene for about a week fighting the fire to keep it contained in the beginning to just the landfill. It was burning that hot, melting the sides of houses, you know, not far from there. That much heat was being put off in the beginning. Uh, but Moody's really stepped up and, and did a real good job on it. Um, but it, it's unique. The problem is you have the Akmar community. It used to be a coal mine in that area. Yeah. So what you get down, once you get down in it, it's kind of scary what you may find. Well, and uh, do you think the uh, the private ownership is going to face any liability here? I mean, you're an attorney. I'm not asking for a legal opinion, but do you see something on their side that's, that says, well, they may face some liability for this long term? Um, I think so, but I think the first priority is, is helping these individuals that live in the neighborhoods around it and trying to deal with that. The problem is we've learned there's no insurance on the property, oh, God. and I, I don't it's going to be hard to go after anything and recoup any cost. So, but we've got to do this for the citizens around there. If not, uh, they're going to continue to suffer and they can't, a lot of them are getting Airbnbs, getting hotel rooms. They cannot even stay at their own house. Oh my gosh. Well, all right, man. Hey, keep us posted on that because that's a story that affects a lot of this listening area. We got a huge listening area. We cover basically everything from Clanton North to the Tennessee line. There's a big chunk of it that is smelling that smoke uh, out of your district right now. So uh, keep us posted on it. In the meantime, we look forward to working with you in the days to come and have you back on the show when you got some more time. All right. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thank you. State Senator Lance Bell, uh, Republican, uh, District 11, which uh, is St. Clair, Shelby, and uh, Calhoun counties, I believe he said. All right, we're going to take a break right now, Boomer. I ran about a minute or two long, so we'll come back for a short segment. There's a breaking news conference right now. They've apparently arrested somebody in the murder of those Idaho college students. I'll see what I can find out during the break. And then we'll move to number two on the Triple Dipper. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right hey real quickly before i go on to something else that boomer just found uh i gotta tell you they just finished they just wrapped up the uh the press conference um the uh the police department in uh, moscow idaho uh just did a full-on police uh press briefing where they outlined the reasons why they believe they've caught the guy in the murder of those four um uh, college co-eds and I don't tell you that beautiful kids just I mean just it's just it's an amazingly heinous murder and uh, so this guy's name is uh they, they by the way they arrested him in Pennsylvania um his name is uh where'd it go I just lost the name Kohlberger I believe um yeah uh Brian Kohlberger it's spelled with a k uh Brian Kohlberger was arrested in uh Scranton Pennsylvania uh is awaiting extradition 
they have already charged him now with uh, four counts of uh, homicide, um, and the, uh, the, the, the criminal complaint has already been filed. Uh, and like I said, they're waiting on extradition right now. I don't know any more details from that. I'm not sure what led them to him, although I believe it was his vehicle because there were reports that some surveillance cameras had caught a picture of a white uh, Hyundai uh, Elantra um, that was uh, in the vicinity of the murders. And, um, and so that car uh, is um, uh, apparently being towed away from his apartment uh, now in Pennsylvania. He himself was a graduate student at a nearby college, not the same one where the, uh, the kids went, but just about 15 minutes down the road. So he may well have known them or associated with them at some point. I don't know those details yet. We'll find out more. Uh, it's, a, it's a horrible story, a sad story. It's shaking up this small college town. Um, but it, um, uh, it, it, and by the way, innocent to proven guilty. So they've got a guy. Um, and there was one report that said that when he was arrested, he asked, uh, has anyone else been arrested yet? And I don't know what that means. Um, we'll find out. All said and done, breaking news on that, uh, the Moscow, Idaho police have now um, found a suspect. He's in Pennsylvania. He has been arrested, and they're awaiting extradition uh, to bring him back to uh, Idaho for uh, charges on murder. Um, Boomer, you just found that. I, I didn't know you could do that. but what, what I, I didn't either. Well, change what the I, subject, what I by found, the way. Change the subject. Change the subject. I'm going to change the subject. Uh, well, what it, what y'all were talking about was the, the, like the air quality and what oh, was the going, landfill the burn? The landfill, yeah. yeah. Well, I had, a, uh, I had some family in Birmingham that brought it up to me, and uh, they started sending me pictures and stuff like that of air quality and yeah. some some people even talking about that all this like smoke and whatever it's almost unbearable to like be in their house and then they happen to bring up the air quality on like a you know on google maps or whatever it's called purple air and and wow and the birmingham area's air quality is not that great <laughs> no in fact it was you, you showed me a minute ago uh it's, it's like a weather report you know that the the darker the red the worse the storm mm-hmm. But you were showing me the pollution quality. The darkest red spot in the entire United States right now is in the Moody area, right? Yeah, there was that, and then there was there were others. I mean, I, I was looking at it as well, and there's pulling up the entire you know United States. There's some other ones that are pretty bad too. But but what's going on in Birmingham? That they need to figure that out. Yeah, they need to figure it out soon because yeah. I mean, I you know it's kind of funny. This kind of flew under my radar. Uh, I kind of caught hold of it yesterday and went, wait a minute. And that's when I thought, you know what? That's Lance Bell's district. I'm going to text old boy and see if he can come on the show and um, for that sole purpose of introducing him to the audience, but also to hear about this. Mm. He just sent me a bunch of pictures, too. I showed you one of them already. I mean, oh, yeah. wow. That's it's crazy. All right. Well, hey, listen, we're going to come right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, going to number two on the Triple Dipper, the energy question. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Right Side Ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right.
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama. I'm talking about we cover down on some ground. We've got down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi even thrown in, just for good measure. Glad you're back with us. We are uh, halfway through the last show of 2022. Wow. I'm saying. And, and Boomer, you have now been here for a full-on six months, right? Yeah. How's that even kinda possible? Kind of crazy. Kind of <laughs> crazy. And you've been doing an amazing – I want to just go ahead and say, play some applause for yourself right oh, now. Just go you. ahead. Thank, uh, you, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, you've been doing an amazing job, man. You have just become <laughs> part of the fabric of this show, and you've uh, you've become the master of all the buttons and the uh, – Lots the of buttons. Artistry. 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 Anyway, ish. thank you. Ish. <laughs> uh, that was, by the way, that whole ish thing became funny yesterday. I just, it did. Um, all right. Hey, thank listen, you. we're going to jump over number two on the Triple Dipper, the energy question. Uh, but I will say this. The phone lines are open. The text lines are open. 833-687-4448. If any of you out there are and, and call in about whatever you want to, but if any of you out there are in the area affected by the smoke from the Moody landfill, I would love to hear from you. Or if you got a family member or somebody you know who's telling you how bad it is. In fact, Boomer, you had a family member you were saying about this, right? Just, yeah, yeah, I got a family member close by. I, uh, They said their whole house was just sick. They're, I'm hoping it's not from this, but then there was a friend of theirs that said their house is really, really close to it. I believe in one of the the communities that are right outside of this landfill, yeah, yeah. and their house is like, almost unbearable to be in right now. Well, if anybody's out there uh, who is can give us a firsthand report um, yourself, we'd love to hear from you. 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. And by the way, if you ever forget the phone number, it's right there at the top of the uh, website, uh, rightsideradio.org. Uh, you can go there and find that as well. Um, going to jump, though, in the meantime, over to number two of the Triple Dipper. So the energy question, let's talk about the economy first, just to kind of lay the groundwork. All right, so story on the Wall Street Journal. Inflation, you know the deal. We've talked about it. Inflation got up to 40-year highs this year. The cost of bacon is through the roof. I mean, everything you buy is through the roof. But I was telling my son this morning, bacon got up to like a 17% inflation on bacon by itself. But then yeah, everything, gas, um, uh, basic foodstuffs, uh, automobiles were crazy, uh, still are. Um, all said and done, a uh, story here on the Wall Street Journal dated uh, yesterday, two days ago. Inflation takes the biggest bite from the middle-income households. They point out that the, um, the number of jobs that have opened up in the economy has benefited um, lower income because those who may have been looking for a job could find one, and there have been some indications that the lower-income uh, of society has experienced somewhat of a gain. Um, upper income is still protected by the fact that they may have more savings, more resources, more ability to withstand uh, a recession. Uh, so there's that. They said that the middle income, though, has been in a vice. Uh, story here says purchasing power from paychecks fell 2.9% for middle income households in 2022 compared with 2021 while rising 1.5% for the bottom fifth of households and 1.1% for the top. That's, 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 just, that's interesting. So basically the middle income has dropped 2.9%, while lower income and upper income have gone up one to one and a half. A growing share of middle income households say they're having more trouble making ends meet, according to Census Bureau surveys. 
So it goes on to say, middle-income households were especially exposed in the past two years in part because the goods and services they tend to purchase, such as cars and gasoline, are what rose the most in price. So it was been some time back, but when uh, when Copper used to do um, uh, a, a monologue on the show, she did one one time that really caught my attention. This would be last year. Uh, and, and she talked about the fact, you find your own inflation, I believe it was. Um, and what she was saying was the things that you buy, that your family uses, those become your personal inflation rates. And when you look at it that way, it does become different. If you don't buy diapers, you're not affected by a diaper shortage. If you don't buy, um, uh, you know, hard goods like new TVs on a regular basis, then you're not impacted by that. If you're not in the market for a new car or, or a used car, for that matter, you're not impacted by that. But when you take into account the things that you buy, then you find your personal level of, of inflation. And in general speaking, the middle-income households, the goods and services that they typically tried to acquire demographically in that middle income, those are the ones that were impacted the most. Found that middle-income households experienced inflation well over 15%. So whereas, whereas the average was 9% across the nation, if you were in the middle income, it says that you may have experienced what felt more like a 15% inflationary standard. That's awful. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just rough. That's mainly because the middle income's exposure to cars and gasoline where prices were most especially pronounced. Um, it goes on to say, though, the good news is inflation appears to be slowing. If that continues in 2023, some of the pressure might dissipate. In November, it says the consumer price index was up 7.1% from the year earlier, but that was better than the 9% that we had in June. So there you go. First of all, understand where we are, laying the foundation for this energy question that I'm about to get into. The economy has just sucked uh, this year, and it has sucked worse for others than, than for, from, for everyone. Uh, middle income took it the hardest. Now, another indicator, and my law firm, by the way, does a lot of real estate work. Another income uh, or, or, or in indicator is um, real estate. Boomer, you spent a lot of time working in real estate, you and your wife both. Yeah, we both did. Mm -hmm. um, market's tough right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> very matter-of-fact of you, yes. Yes. Yes, it is. It's uh, just different. D definitely different what people were used to the past couple of years. Oh, yeah, with interest mm -hmm. rates getting down in the twos in some cases, uh, low threes on the average. We're looking at interest rates right now are in the sevens. Wow. Um, and if you're doing an adjustable rate, you might get a good one, but adjustable rates are always dangerous, and this, especially when the Fed's raising the rate like they are right now. Right. Um, so National Association of Realtors. Uh, just came out with a report in the last couple of weeks. They're forecasting um, existing home sales will stabilize, but it's not going to be quick. So a guy named Lawrence Yun, who's the uh, National Association of Realtors Chief Economist and Senior Vice President of Research, there's a title, <laughs> forecasts that 4.78 million existing homes will be sold. Prices will remain stable in Atlanta. <clears throat> excuse me, Atlanta is going to be the top real estate market to watch in 23. Um he predicts that home sales, though, are going to decline by 6.8% compared to 2022. Well, they went down at 22 from 21, I believe. That's not what you want to hear. Another 6% drop and almost 7% drop in home sales. Um, he says he also expects rental prices to rise 5%. Um, I know you're a, you're, a, you're a landlord guy, Booms, so we're looking yeah. at increases in rentals uh, overall. 
it's just you. I mean, you're just seeing it everywhere. I mean, honestly. Yeah. Because as a even a landlord, I mean, I have to raise my rent according to what what the market know, will allow. What the market market will allow, and you know what I'm having to pay for. Yeah, and then it doesn't help you when you have uh, giant freezes that freeze pipes. <laughs> it does not. We freeze won't talk pipes. about that. Uh, we won't yeah, talk about don't that. Don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, foreclosure rates are expected to remain at historically low levels, though that's that's good. That's partly because there's still COVID protections that are lang- uh, dangle, dangling out there. Um, but nonetheless, he says that uh, the GDP is going to grow slightly. He predicts like up to 1.3%, whereas it used to be historically at 25 um, So here we are in an economy that's slowed down, but it's starting to stabilize. Interest rates are high is what I'm saying. Home values have decreased in most places. You will be interested to know, all my listeners out there, you will be interested to know that one of the top 10 real estate markets in the entire nation is right here in this listening area, which we have a big listening area. Like, we have a lot of listening area. But the the listening area, Huntsville, Alabama, is ranked as the seventh hottest real estate market in the nation right now. Um, so that's cool. By the way, I will point out, I think I said this on another show uh, about a week or two ago, the top 10 real estate markets in the nation, all in the South. Majority of them are what I would call SEC states. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, okay. Having said all that, what about energy? Well, we're going to take a break right now. We'll come right back. I'm going to dive right in. Where are gas prices going? And what is our... U.S. delegation for Alabama saying. Take us to a break. Remember, we'll do that right now. We'll come right back. And now that I've set the stage and painted the gloomy picture, stable but gloomy picture on the economy, let's talk about the things that you and I experience every single day in that economy. How about the energy question? Is it going to get better, worse? I'll tell you when we get back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Uh, Saving the world one soundbite at a time. Let me tell you, folks, uh, you might want to think about something here. Got a nice kind of even temperate uh, weathered weekend after last weekend. Woo! You can get out tomorrow morning is what I'm starting to say without finding out that your your tires are frozen to the driveway. Um, Maybe, maybe on this Saturday morning before you go into game day and New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff, you might want to go to Just Love Coffee Cafe for breakfast on a Saturday morning. Man, don't mess up the the kitchen and don't go get the old usual biscuit. Head on down to Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road over in Madison, the other on South Parkway in Huntsville, and get you something like maybe a womlet. Womlet a super omelet cooked in a waffle iron, eggs, sauces, cheddar cheese, onions, peppers, tomato, tater tots, sprinkle of black pepper, all in one omelet. 
or maybe the breakfast burrito or their sausage egg and cheese biscuit, which is, by the way, um, pretty, pretty unusually good. Then they got their dippers, sausage or chicken wrapped in a waffled biscuit served with a choice of sausage, gravy, syrup or mustard. And then there's the coffees because it is Just Love Coffee Cafe. Cappuccinos, the espressos, the lattes. They've got the dry roast award-winning coffees. They can grind it up. So, yeah, listen, Just Love Coffee Cafe, two locations in our listening area, one on Hughes Road in Madison and the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. Check them out, and please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, hey, listen, I think we got a caller on the line. Boomer, we got somebody or no? What do we got here? Um, I don't know who we got. All right, so I got somebody who lives near the landfill. Is that what I'm seeing? All right, I got somebody who I guess wants to remain anonymous, uh, which is usually a risk, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, tell us who you are, and uh, well, not who you are, but where you live. Um, I'll say my name. I'm Karen Scott, and I live in Liberty Park in okay, Vestavia, which is probably the closest part of Vestavia to the landfill. And, yes, it's um, like early in the morning when you wake up, you, you look up, you're like, is my house on fire? What's the smell? Wow. Um, we've been suffering, me personally and my husband, from headaches um, since since it started, um, just breathing it in. And I'm a runner, and so in the mornings after I run, I definitely have a headache um, after breathing it in uh, for so long outside. Um, it- I know that there's kids in the neighborhood that who have asthma that, you know, playing outside, it, they're coughing and um, their asthma, they have to do the inhalers um, from being out and outside. Wow. Well, let me ask you too, is it, is it visible? I mean, is it smoky visible almost like you can see it or is it just this kind of the traces of in the air? What, what do you, what do you, what's, what's that like? Um, more traces of it in the air. I mean, we live far enough away where we don't, I mean, if I get off um, out, like headed towards the trestle midi area, I can see it. But uh, here it's more of just the, you can, you can smell it. Like a, a couple of people in the neighborhood, posted um one morning they woke up like several people in the neighborhood like plus you know there's something on fire in the neighborhood i mean it's like that it is that potent you can smell it inside your house um it is it is very thick over here well and, I, and i've heard too that it's not the usual smoke smell like a wood smoke smell that, that it has it is a, not a it is not smell. a wood smoke smell no uh, it is not oh yeah have you gotten anything from um local officials have you talked to anybody that said here's what we're doing or how long yeah, i mean all the articles that i've come across or read it kind of sounds like there's a dispute on who's responsible for it or who's paying for um to try to get it out i don't know you know the city of moody versus the county versus you know the state but and it sounded like it was uh an expensive thing to do but and then it said you know the option is to let it burn out which could take up to a year oh um oh well and you're down in vestavia you said um, yes, I'm in Vestavia. So as the crow flies, how far would you estimate that you are from, uh, from there? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't know. I would say maybe, like, we're on, we're in Liberty Park, which is kind of a, yeah. we're not, like, Vestavia proper, so it's a little bit, it is closer. I would say maybe 15, 20 miles, maybe. Wow. I don't know. That's a guesstimate. Well, well, uh, I tell you what, I sure appreciate you calling to give us, and I hope this thing clears up soon and uh, quality of life is restored pretty quickly. Um, but thanks for yeah, giving us the Yeah, I think it's just finding the right entity, like who's going to pay for yeah. um, the solution, I, I guess is what they're trying to decide. Well, um, if you hear something else and you got something to add to it, call us back, all right? Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call. 
Wow, that just man, Boomer. Can you imagine? That just no. I mean, that's that's just awful. That's awful. And I mean, I, is that something that they can declare something like Governor Ivy? I mean, I don't like a state of a state of emergency. Yeah, is that something? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's risen to that level yet. A state of emergency usually involves having to get state authorities and you know national guard potentially mm. and disaster relief, and then it draws down federal dollars. I don't know if we're there, um, but we're certainly at a point where. Uh, it may go beyond the resources of the county or the municipality to deal with it. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not going to be a bit surprised to find out that what they have to do to either tamp it out or or or, or hose it out is um, is first dig it out. Wow. Because if it's that deep and it it's burning slowly, then you've got to get it to a place where it can burn faster or be doused one or the other. And um, so they may they may wind up having to get in there and you know dig that thing out with backhoes wow. or, or or trench diggers Whew. and uh, see what they can get. Um, man. I do remember, by the way, there is a there's a whole town um, in uh, um, Pennsylvania, I believe it was. I read about it in a in a book by a guy. It's called A Walk in the Woods was the book. Um, but there's a town, I believe, in Pennsylvania, a coal mining town, and the coal caught fire underground and began a slow burn. And you know what coals are like? You like you put them in your fireplace or in your uh, in your in your grill, and um, and coals just and when you have an entire coal mine catching fire like that, Man. Um, and it and it basically it shut down the entire town is gone. They had to just basically abandon the town, uh, abandon the mine, and smoke still seeps up out of the ground in places years and years later. It's just down there in a slow burn. Just makes you think, how long can that go? Right. And where's it getting the oxygen to keep you know burning like that? But um, but yeah, that's just uh, epic bad. Um, all right. Listen, I'll, I'll take more of those calls. I would love to hear more from people who are anywhere in and around the Moody landfill. Um, so our last caller lives, she believes, about 15 to 20 miles as a crow flies. They don't see the smoke every day, but they certainly can smell it. And it certainly is having an impact on, um, you know, people's breathing and things like that for what she described, which I could well imagine. I've got family members with asthma, and that would be a horrible thing. I mean, we've had neighbors that burn their leaves once in a while. And at that point, I've got family members that have to stay inside. Um, so there it is. Hey, uh, real quick before we go to the break, uh, I'll tell you, I just, uh, the, the text lines are open too. Um, Paul from Huntsville says, blow it up. <laughs> I don't, Paul, I don't think we dropped the bomb on this man. I think we let that, that thing play for a little bit, uh, before we do that. Um, Rita from Scottsboro just texted in and said, uh, this is Rita from Scottsboro. Um, she said Bishop Rita from Scottsboro. Okay. Well, either one, uh, I want to wish Boomer and Phil a fantastic new year. Been listening since day one. I'm making something for you. I'll let you know when I have it done. Rita, thank you so much. Uh, and we appreciate that. And, uh, and I think she just put on there, um, and, and it got a typo in it, but I think she was talking about, uh, central Pennsylvania is the name of the town still burning underground. I got to look that up during the next break because it is crazy. And you don't want to see that kind of thing happening in, in Moody. Um, they'll get it under control. If you live around it, call us, 833-687-4448. We'll come right back, spend a little more time on number two of the Triple Dipper, the energy question, and then we're going to end on a high note, man. I got some fun, good news stories we're going to run through. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live on the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, we cover down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Dang, this new microphone sounds good, Boomer. Oh, so good. I mean, I just, I just, I just sound like a smooth cup of coffee on a cold morning. That's why I just, just, Ooh. just. That was, cup of coffee. <laughs> um, hey, by the way, I got to jump over here and tell you, I did some looking, uh, and I've also gotten a couple of texts. Um, the uh, the M- Pennsylvania mine fire I was talking about, that's been burning since 1962. It's in Centralia, Pennsylvania. Um, and, and here's how it started. Uh, don't want to, don't want to, painting negative images here, but uh, the way it started was uh, the town uh, had a number of illegal landfills and they were trying to burn them off. Um, Never a good idea. Apparently the burning was not uh, sanctioned, but it was considered by somebody to be a good idea at the time. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so they, they began trying to burn off a landfill. Well, it was a coal mining town and apparently one of the mines was sitting on top of an old open uh, hole that dropped into one of the mine shafts and uh, the fires dropped down in, the coal seam uh, began to burn, and it has been burning, literally smoking coming up out of the ground since 1962, Centralia, Pennsylvania. Uh, so what happened, though, is, it, is, it, is it, you know, of course, you can imagine how bad that was. There was no way to control the fire. It's underground. It's, it's coal that's it's just going to continue to seep. Uh, it's got oxygen feeding it from somewhere. Uh, so in 1984... Um, there was actually uh, a, a member of Congress from that area who got something approved in Congress that allocated $42 million for relocation efforts. So people began to get buyouts. A lot of the, most of the residents of the small town one had accepted the buyout offers and they dispersed away from the area. But there were some who opted to stay. They didn't want to leave. It was their, it was their family property. So in 1992, the governor of Pennsylvania invoked eminent domain and condemned all the remaining buildings, uh, and and they had to, they basically had to evict the remaining citizens from the town. The post office revoked their zip code. It is now considered uh, just it's it's a ghost town. A lot of the houses have been razed, like you know, to knock down, uh, so there's no 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 buildings there that could be pilfered or you know have squatters living in them. Uh, all said and done, this is this is a mess. Uh, it's even been, I mean, they've even been as recently as 2009. The state of Pennsylvania having to take action to do things regarding people who were there that, that needed a, a, a chance to move somewhere else. Um, it's, it's become somewhat of a tourist attraction. It says that visitors still come to this day to see the smoke uh, coming up out of the ground in the empty streets. Um, and that's how I read about it. Right along, uh, there's an abandoned portion of Pennsylvania Route 61 that's referred to as the Graffiti Highway. Uh, that's where people tend to go hang out. And the, the book that I read talked about a guy 
um, walking the Appalachian Trail who diverted over to go and see this place. And sure enough, he described it as exactly what they just described um, as a, uh, a ghost town with empty roads, uh, former foundations of houses, and smoke coming out of seams in the road, burning since 1962. Dang. Um, okay, enough of that. Wow. Um, uh, we got some text coming in. Uh, just, uh, just glad to see Brandon from Athens, uh, Ryan from Hazel Green. Uh, glad you're on the string. Uh, Paul from Huntsville says, remove the oxygen needed to burn. I was serious and believe the military has this capability. Um, it's a better idea than waiting another week to address it and call an emergency meeting. I don't know, Paul. We'll see what they do. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, ADEM and the state government and all would have a say about dropping any bombs. But uh, I do believe that something extraordinary is going to have to happen. I know that. Um, all right, let me jump back over to the Dipper and wrap this thing up before we go to the break. Um, so here's the deal. I laid the foundation earlier. I got totally distracted by the Moody landfill fire. <laughs> like It's almost like a Dipper within a Dipper. Can we have a dipper within a dipper, Boomer? Oh, absolutely. It's that like, just makes it four dippers. It's like when you watch the sitcom and you have a plot within a plot. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. Everybody loves Raymond. Always had one plot with a little subplot. Um, okay. Anyway, here's the deal. I'm back on the triple dipper. Energy question. So I laid the foundation earlier for where we are in the economy. Um, but what about energy costs? What about gas prices? Well, uh, United Press International reporting that as of yesterday... Um, average U.S. gas prices have hit $3.16 per gallon. That's average. I mean, we've seen them in the twos around here. But it says we can expect that they may very well go up uh, quite a bit in the next few months for reasons that I'll get into. It says Travel Club AAA reported a national average of $3.16 for a gallon of regular gas um, a touch higher than it was yesterday. It's still $0.40 cents per gallon less than it was this time last month, which is great although we have seen an increase in the last week. Federal data shows that U.S. gasoline stockpiles, it says, though, have increased by 20 million barrels. That's good. Our strategic reserve is going up a little bit. Um, but it's still down from where it was uh, this time last year. Um, and then we're looking at right now our refining capacity is down. Apparently our refining capacity took a hit during the, um, the cold snap. Um, I didn't know it could do that, but I guess anything else can be affected by cold, so can that. But the reduction in refinery activity is expected to be short-lived uh, and should be coming back online soon. Um, but what we're looking at right now, though, is they're saying we could be seeing $4 gas again by this time in May. Um, so uh, keep an eye on that. U.S. Representative Barry Moore, who's been on the show most recently, a friend of mine, we served in the state legislature together. He's now a congressman from South Alabama. 1819 News reports that as of this morning, he's basically saying – the Biden administration is to blame for the high gas prices. And he says we're suffering as an American people. And he points out that, you know, while we may be looking at $3 gas, it's still not where it should have been. And uh, in, in the, in the average price was $289 in Alabama, three over 316 on the average for nationwide, $289 in Alabama. Barry Moore, though, Congressman Moore says high gas prices and rising inflation are a constant um, issue because of the Biden administration's policies on energy and the fact that they keep throwing cash into the economy. Here's his quote. He says, Biden's energy policy on day one was to shut down the Keystone pipeline and then on day two to ask OPEC to increase production and then to give Russia a green light on Nord Stream 2 and then to buy solar panels from China. And that kind of encapsulates the policies from the administration, he says. And it strangles the U.S. energy domestic production and drives prices up locally. 
he says he's been polling his uh, constituents, and in, in whatever the uh, recent poll he did, uh, 80% of the constituents said that they spent less on Christmas this year, in part because of the prices they've had to pay at the pump. Um, one of our other congressmen from the Mobile area, Jerry Carl, he's on record. Uh, Jeff Poor wrote an article in 1819 News. Um, and Jerry Carl was on Fox Business Network uh, Thursday uh, questioning Joe Biden's use of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Uh, it's a worthy question. Carl argued that the reserves were intended for a national crisis and not as a mechanism to lower gas prices. And, and I agree with that. When you start flooding the market with cheap, already prepaid for oil, all you do is create a faux economy. Um, his words, we should have never used the reserve for political reasons. And that's why we're in the situation we are now. When they start shutting down the pipeline, what was going to happen? It was a domino effect. Now we're in a situation where we're going to pay more for it. We got to get our reserves back up, he says. I, you know, I, I guess it's, it goes without saying, but he said it anyway. Um, but what about diesel? Your truck's not diesel, is it? Booms? Nope. Okay. I am not diesel. All right. <laughs> and glad of it. <laughs> and glad of it. All right. Um, it says by June, the average U.S. gas price had crossed five dollars a gallon for the first time ever, hitting a record five oh two. But that. After that came a prolonged slide in gas prices prompted by a number of other factors. Anyway, what they're saying here in the CNN article, dated yesterday, uh, that gas prices had a wild ride, but the diesel prices are still very difficult. So, yeah, gas prices in Alabama down to about $2.89 a gallon, three sixteen on the average across the nation. But diesel, dang, says there was not the same level of relief for the price of diesel. Diesel prices fell 20% from their peak in June, but only about half the decline that gasoline experienced. So while gasoline is cheaper than it was a year ago, diesel remains so close remains close to the pre-2022 record price set in 2008. So greater demand for North American diesel by Europe in the wake of the war in Ukraine has kept diesel prices high. So, so there, there's, there's, there's the thing. If you're, if you're looking at uh, having to uh, um, fill up a, a, you know, an over-the-road hauler you got an 18-wheeler, and you're putting diesel in that thing. You're still paying top price, man. You're still paying record prices, near record prices. Apparently, the record for diesel was 2008, and we're still almost at that point. And if you're one of those that drives the dually farm truck, um, then, yeah, you are not looking for much relief. Investors.com, story dated yesterday, says that uh, a critical fuel for trucking, railroads, and agriculture, higher diesel prices, uh, fed through to everything. They impacted grocery bills, consumer electronics, all of it. Everything was impacted by diesel, and diesel still remains high. So until we can get diesel down, we're not going to see the supply chain issues, the cost that are impacted by the supply chain issues resolved, it appears. Average U.S. diesel price at the pump on Wednesday, $4.67 a gallon. That's up 31% from last year. Um, so... More to go. The energy question is still a question. Uh, the Biden administration still pursuing green energy over everything else, still pushing for electric vehicles. And yet, in the meantime, the economy runs on gas, and we can't deny that. And the very idea that we can just sit idly by and go, yeah, we're just not going to drill, or yeah, we're going to shut the Keystone Pipeline, or oh, we're going to go ahead and just dump our strategic reserves into the market, those are not solutions. They're not even Band-Aids. In fact, some of those are the reasons why we are where we are. 
So the energy question going into 2023, still a big question. Here's the bottom line for you. We're looking at prices at the pump for regular gas are expected to go up in the next few months for a variety of reasons. But the price of diesel remains at record highs. And we're hoping that begins to find its way into a state of normalization. All right. There's number two of the Triple Dipper. I worked my way through it because I got to get to number three. Number three is fun. I'm looking forward to this. You guys stay tuned. We're going to take a break right now. We'll come right back, move to the final part of the show, the final part of the year. Ending on a good note. That's the name of this part of the Triple Dipper. Ending on a good note. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, before I go any further and start the next part of the uh, Triple Dipper, I got to tell you guys uh, about my friends over at Riley and Jackson Law Firm. So you've heard me talk about them before, I know. And when I say they're my friends, I mean it. Uh, these folks are solid, and, I, and I've worked with them on cases. I've worked with them on uh, issues. And uh, I like to say that they're not just good on the law. They're good on politics, too, if you know what I mean. But Riley and Jackson Law Firm, they're a great firm based out of Birmingham, but they work statewide. They wanted me to let you all know that this Camp Lejeune water contamination stuff you've been seeing about on TV and hearing on the radio and all that, they're working that. They've got like five lawyers working that issue. If you were at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, anywhere between 1953 and 1987, which is a big spread of time, there is confirmed and known water contamination that may have exposed you uh, to the possibility of 19 different illnesses. So they're working these cases. You'll talk to a real person if you call them. They'll tell you whether you qualify for a potential claim, and they won't charge you for the call. And they'll, In fact, they won't get paid unless they get you a claim paid for you. Uh, so if you are there as a military uh, member, uh, a, a dependent, or just a contractor, or you know, they're on TDY, whatever the case may be, you may want to check with them and see. I'll give you the number in just one second, but I'll tell you this first of all, too. They're working another issue that's very interesting to me. If you were a first responder or a military member working with firefighting foam, there was a version of firefighting foam that is known to be carcinogenic now. And you may have been exposed in such a way that would also qualify you for a claim. So first responders, military members, firefighting foam, if that's you, you're going to want to call Riley and Jackson and check it out. Here's their number. You ready? Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. That's Riley and Jackson, 205-879-5000. And when you call, tell them you heard about it on the Right Side Radio. I would certainly appreciate that. All right, we're going to number three on the Triple Dipper. I'm going to enjoy this. So I, I got as I, as I went through a variety of stories, Getting ready for today's show. You know, I'm looking at politics. I'm looking at the economy. I'm looking at military. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't have a third dipper yet. And then, I did, but, I, but I found a story and I thought, oh, man, that's just a good one. I like that. And then I moved on and I thought, oh, that's a good one. Oh, I like And then I got to thinking, you know what? I am ending the year on a high note. 
I am going to, I'm going to, the whole last dipper, it, the literally this, I, I label this one ending on a good note. So we're ending 2022 on a good note. I'm not doing political gripe session. I'm not doing commentary on the economy. I'm ending with this, ending on a good note. Here's an example. Let me, I tell you what, I'm going to pull through. You know what? One of my favorites is a story that actually came from something called the Good News Network because, I mean, you can expect their news to be good, right? Good um, news. Good news. I, I love this story. It's two days old. It says the Christmas spirit unfolds for Korean tourists during the blizzard when they knock on this guy's door. So here's the storyline. Apparently, a group of South Korean tourists um, uh, had gone up to New York. They were uh, traveling from Niagara Falls back to Washington, D.C. Uh, Ten South Koreans... And they got stuck in a blizzard. Their, their, their minibus got stuck in a blizzard near Buffalo. I mean, they were like lodged in the snow. They didn't know what to do. And, and so two of them got out and hiked over to a house and asked if they could borrow a shovel to help dislodge their vehicle, right? Well, it wasn't going to work. It was Christmas Eve. This guy, Alex Campania, he hears a frantic knock on his door. And he, he says, it was the worst blizzard he's ever experienced. He's from Buffalo. He says, I'm from Buffalo, and this was the Darth Vader of storms, he says. And, he's, there's, and there's these two Koreans on his front porch asking for a shovel. Well, no, no, that wasn't going to work. He just brought them in. They stayed at his house for two days. And in the meantime, they had Christmas with him and, and celebrated. Uh, and so the South Koreans, uh, they began to cook uh, uh, some of their um, traditional meals. And they, wound up, they, they got pictures of them online celebrating together. And they, they basically stayed there for, like I said, two to three days, I believe it was. They swapped stories. They, they, they watched American football on TV. Uh, and when it was over with, they, they, they literally said they had enjoyed it so much, it was an unforgettable, unique blessing, and it just totally changed the dynamic of their trip. That's just, <laughs> that's just good, man. That's America right there. America. America. <laughs> Hold my beer. America. That is just good. But God bless you, Alice Campania. That's just that's just a story worth telling. Well, I got a rack of those. So we're going to go to a break here in a second. When I come back, I'll cover down on a few more like that. Like, what about the lady who flushed her wedding ring down the toilet? No, you're going to want to hear about this. When was it? 20 years ago. Did she get it back? Tell you when we get back. I got stuff like that. I got the guy who saved lives, uh, another guy who saved lives in the blizzard. I've got stories about um, things that came from Alabama, like did you hear about the birth of the child at uh, Huntsville Hospital and why it's so unique that it made national news. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of cool stuff. You guys stand, t- stand by. We'll be ending on a good note. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Stay tuned.
Hey, all you right side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And by the way, we are wrapping up 2022 here in the next 25 minutes. And I got to tell you, this show, it does indeed span from Clanton to the Tennessee line. I'm talking about way down south of Birmingham to up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Uh, I love saying that, but I'm also just, um, I'm, I'm so blessed by it. And, uh, and I, I am not kidding when I say, if you didn't hear me say it the first hour, I'll say it now in the third hour. Every bit of that is because of y'all. Every bit of that is because of y'all. Boomer can sit and I can sit in here. We, Boomer and I can sit here and turn, you know, all the microphones on and and push the buttons and uh, and start jabbering. But none of it makes a bit of difference without y'all. So uh, to the audience of uh, right side ruffians that we have, we appreciate you more than you could possibly know, and we do not take that for granted. Um, all right, I'm in number three of the triple dipper, John from Huntsville. You'll be proud to know I have made it to number three. Uh, that last story I just did, we're, we're on, the, by the way, the end of this, the, the, I mean, the uh, title for this dipper is Ending on a Good Note. And, uh, and, and so the um, story I just did a minute ago about the Koreans that got, uh, the Korean tourists that got um, trapped in the snow and they, they wound up knocking on a door and, and 10 of them lived at this guy's house for a few days and celebrated Christmas. Uh, Glenn from Bluntsville to send in goes, that's one of them stories that gives you goosebumps. Way cool. I agree. I agree. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Brian from Huntsville says, I love the factual story. There's many heroes in Buffalo. God is good. We make, we, 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 we make questionable choices on some occasions. Uh, and I, and I agree. Um, he, he is, uh, Tony from Piedmont just, uh, kicked in with, uh, letting me know, uh, that <laughs> you shouldn't buy cheap socks. Okay. I see that too. Thank you so much, uh, Tony. Um, here's another one before I move away from the winter storm. I got to tell you, there's another one story on Fox news yesterday. It says police are searching for a man who broke into a Buffalo area school on December 23rd, but not to charge him with crimes, but to thank him for his selfless actions. So that apparently this guy was one of those uh, take action kind of heroes. And there were people that were trapped in cars that, that couldn't go anywhere and they were freezing. And, and there were a couple of dogs that were, you know, loose and couldn't get home. The blizzard was that significant uh, up in, in Buffalo. We're talking about like, like five, six feet of snow. Um, so the police are referring to him as Merry Christmas Jay because of the note that he left behind. So here's the deal. Apparently this guy began to just rally up the people who were trapped in cars in and around where he was, and they were near a school, and he went and he, he, he broke a window, and he got everybody inside, and they turned the lights on, and, and, and then they, but they didn't ravage things. In fact, what's so, what's so cool here is it says that he actually wrote a note and the police found it when they got there because the police, they were aware that a window had been broken. They had a, 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 some type of an alarm that was triggered, but they couldn't get there because of the blizzard. When they did get there, they found a note. The note said, I'm terribly sorry about breaking the school window and for breaking into the kitchen. I got stuck at 8 p.m. on Friday and slept in my truck with two strangers, just trying not to die. There were seven elderly people who were also stuck and out of fuel, and I had to do it to save everyone and get them shelter and food in the bathroom. Um... When the police department pulled the surveillance footage, it says, all they could see were people taking care of people. That's just good. So there was a freezer full of food, but no one touched it. 
They only ate what was necessary to stay alive. They used the gym for the kids to play in, and they watched the TVs to get updates on the storm. And when they left, you couldn't even tell they'd been there. That's just that's just way, way cool. By the way, I am, uh, I am blessed right now. I'm sitting here in the studio waving at my grandkids and my family who just walked up outside, and they are waving. If you're watching online, you're watching me wave to my family. You guys come in here if you want to. Um, end of 2022 with the grandkids walking in the studio ain't a bad way to go. Hey, everybody. Hey, sweetie. How are you? Hey, big man. How are you doing? I got the whole family. Hey, bud. Man, this is awesome. How's everybody? Boomer, we got guests. Did you, did you, we roll out the red carpet and get food? What do we need to do here? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we do need air conditioning. Yeah, Charlene's quick to notice the temperature's always different. Uh, so let me, let me do this story. Uh, you want to come sit over here? Come over, sit over here. Um, you want to talk on the radio? Are you going to be a, t- a radio man? <laughs> Three years old. You can come sit with me, though. Come here, bud. <laughs> oh. Come here and sit with your cap, not talk in the microphone. So uh, a story that just uh, really got me, this is what started things, is um, a lady in Florida, Fox News has this story. A lady in Florida had a ring. It was a very special ring. I'm talking to my grandson right now. It was a very special ring. And she accidentally flushed it down the toilet. You don't flush rings down the toilet, do you? No. <laughs> but anyway, it was her engagement ring. 20 years ago. So she, she literally accidentally knocked it in the toilet as it was flushing and, and it was just beside herself. Literally, the story says on Fox, I got to rattle the paper, Declan. You ready? There we go. Says, uh, she, she literally went out and she herself climbed down into her septic tank. Climbed down into her septic tank. She was that desperate. I'm looking at my daughter-in-law. Would you climb down in the, in the tank to get... I may. She said she may do it. <laughs> she climbed down into the septic tank and then she also took a hose and sucked everything out of it and ran it through a screen trying to find her ring. Never could find it. It was beside herself. That was 20 years ago. Christmas, she goes to her in-law's house, opens a gift, and there's her ring. Why? Because after 20 years, her, her in-laws decided to remodel that bathroom. The plumber pulled out the toilet, and it dropped out the bottom. <laughs> that, thing, that thing had been sitting in the bottom of the toilet for 20 years. First of all, I'm kind of... I want to know what brand toilet that was that lasted 20 years. But, uh, but nonetheless, she got her ring back after 20 years when the plumber found it in the bottom of the toilet. Good news stuff. Good news stuff. Uh, I got some here, though, that are Alabama-based. You getting down, bud? I got some here that are Alabama-based. So first of all, um, as I look at my beautiful grandchildren, I got to tell you, Apparently, the odds are 1 in 133,000 that a child will be born on the same day as both the parents who also shared the same birthday. Huntsville Hospital just had it happen. Huntsville Hospital, birthday celebrations are sure to become a big deal for an Alabama family that has three members now born on the same date. Parents Cassidy and Dylan Scott welcomed their firstborn on Sunday, December 18th, which happens to also be both of their birthdays. Um, now, the odds of sharing a birthday with one parent is already 1 in 365, but the odds of hitting it with both parents, 1 in 133,000. Born at Huntsville Hospital, making national news is a good news story. That's just cool. Um, Boomer, you don't have any shared birthdays in your family, do you? 
Ooh, well, my dog and <laughs> your my dog. cousin. Your dog and your cousin. Yeah, they have the same birthday. That's the most random answer I think I could have asked for. <laughs> I was really, you, you looked at me like you were about to say yes, and I was waiting for like your mom and your sister or something. But no, it's your dog and a cousin. Yep, dog and cousin. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot. I have a shared birthday. My well, cousin and myself. You, same cousin with a dog? Not the same cousin. <laughs> Different cousin. Same family, though. There's like there's a whole cousin thing going on and, here, though. Yep. So my cousin and I have the same birthday. All right. And then my other cousin and my dog have the same birthday. All right. There All we right. go. Cool. Um, hey, listen, a couple more. I got two more Alabama stories. Uh, one of them, though, we talk about education all the time. Uh, and so I, I got I to gotta make note of this. I, I've said before, I'll, I'll call it wrong when I see it. I'll call it right when I see it. And, uh, and what I also like, too, is this article named somebody who I know personally. Uh, I'm looking at my wife. Honey, remember Melissa Shields that used to work at the um, Department of Education, uh, Etowah County? Uh, she now works for the state. So um, she's apparently in the office that is designed to help failing schools kind of raise their standards. Anyway, AL.com has a story dated uh, yesterday. 38 Alabama schools recognized for improving their student achievement, how they did it. It says nearly 100 officials from 38 schools spanning from Huntsville down to Mobile and many places in between gathered together to celebrate a great accomplishment. In 2018, it says federal rules had tagged 59 schools for low performance and told Alabama they had to direct more services to those schools to get them up to par. Helping schools improve enough to remove that moniker indicates achievement and other measures on the school's federal report card shifted into a better direction. Anyway, the bottom line is Dr. Melissa Shields, uh, a friend from years past uh, from here in Etowah County, she says the grit, the perseverance, the sweat, the tears, all of it paid off. And they talked about the things that these schools saw happen. And what I love was it was a community rally. Um, one quote says they talked about people and how people made a difference. They talked about having strong leadership in the building, but they talked about the fact that even alumni and former teachers and administrators all came back to provide their volunteer time and even to make donations to help with the school libraries and to do things to tutor students. And it was that kind of community involvement that actually brought 38 of these 59 failing schools up to an achievement level, and they will all now be taken off the list. That's just... Awesome. Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll go and do that right now. I'll come right back. I got a few more, including one more story from Alabama about a garbage truck driver saving a homeless man who was sleeping in a dumpster. We'll talk about that when we get back. Good news stories because we're ending 22 on a good note. You guys stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back. back phil williams right side radio covering all of north alabama solid conservative and just plain right saving the world one soundbite at a time hey listen i gotta tell you guys uh you folks uh zla solutions uh you've heard me mention them like every day for the last year and a half because they're one of our original sponsors they are literally on board from day one and and i gotta tell you they've had an amazing year 
because they are so good at what they do. I know these folks personally, uh, and I and I, I take a, a real you know passionate describing what they do because I've gotten to see it at work. So ZLA Solutions, they can help you with all kinds of business solutions. They can do sorting and containment, that quality control, warehousing, logistics, all that kind of stuff, but their bread and butter man is staffing. So if you personally are hearing this commercial and you're looking for a job, I can just tell you, go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. They've got They've got good jobs posted right now all over North Alabama, really regional and out of state. They've got all kinds of stuff posted right now, jobs you might want to take a look at. However, if you are an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your own workforce and you need, you know, onesies and twosies, special niche skills, doesn't matter, or a whole shift of people, they can help you. They can do the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing if necessary, blue collar, white collar, no collar, it don't matter. ZLA Solutions. They are good at what they do, and they love to say at ZLA, we don't make it. We just make it better. That's their goal in life is to help you make your business better. So, yeah, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. Check them out, and please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. All right, I am back to the final dipper of the year, 2022. Boomer, we're wrapping up the year, bro. Wrapping it up. Wrapping up the year. See um, you later, 22. <laughs> <laughs> and in the rearview mirror and good riddance <laughs> to you. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just got a text from uh, JT from Lacey Springs. Um, he says, good news stories. What a way to end the year. Three thumbs up. That being said, he said, JT votes for good news stories to become a Friday third dipper norm. He believes Charlene would agree. <laughs> I think he might be right. Um, hey, uh, next story I got for you, though. Uh, it's an Alabama-based story, and it was national, Fox News. Um, just one of those things that happens. You're like, wow, that ended well. That could have been so bad. It says authorities, it's a, story, it's a Fox News story, by the way, December 21st. Authorities say a homeless man could have died inside a garbage truck in North Alabama, but the driver saved him. Um, a, Republic, a Republic Waste Operations driver was emptying out a dumpster in Huntsville on, on that Monday when the incident happened. Em, emptying the dumpster involves, you know, the truck's mechanical arms that lift it up and kind of, you know, dump it over the back of the truck. Well, usually when that happens, the trash compactor inside is turned on well, the guy happened to check his cameras like he's supposed to do, and he saw a man fall in out of the dumpster. I mean, can you imagine? Dude sleeping in a dumpster, and I'm not sure why he didn't hear the garbage truck coming, no telling. But all said and done, he's being dumped in there and could have been caught in the trash compactor, which would have been, well, okay, bad. Um, but not only did the driver help the man out, he called his manager the manager took the guy, bought him clothes and new boots, and they got into a homeless shelter, and he's fine. And, uh, and, the, and the supervisor said that the driver uh, had been trained and prepared, and that's what led to a safe outcome. He was very aware. I mean, I just look at that and go, God, that could have been so bad. Can you imagine if the dude hadn't checked his, his, um, you know, his camera? And, and wow. First of all, I'm glad they even had – I know they had cameras. I just thought they just lifted the thing up, dumped it, and went on to the next one, which they probably too often do. Um, I am keenly aware now. Next story I got, love this. So, you know, um, there's a thing called recidivism. It's the, uh, it's the, basically the return to jail, the, the, the negative cycle that happens when someone is released from prison and then goes right back to crime and the recidivism rate is, you know, they return too often. Well, you want to see rehabilitation as opposed to recidivism. You want to see them find a way to better their lives. And, uh, and so I love this next story. It came out of Tennessee. Lipscomb University 
13 Tennessee inmates are about to receive, well, they probably just did receive their, their degrees from Lipscomb University during the graduation ceremony. Says the State Department of Corrections says the graduation for the Lipscomb Initiative for Education uh, was scheduled to take place uh, two weeks ago, right before Christmas. It says two women will graduate with an associate's degree of arts, three with professional studies, bachelor's degrees, and eight got their master's of arts in Christian ministry. Additionally, it says five other outside students were studying alongside them, and it was live face-to-face instruction. It was not done by, by Zoom or by camera. It was live face-to-face instruction by university professors. Um, and the, the inmates studied side-by-side with other undergraduate students at the prison once a week. They held classes at the prison. Other students were allowed in. It was a real class. And some of these gradu- women graduating have been working through their studies for a decade, 10 years. And for the master's candidates, it took them 15 years to get to that point. That's, to me, that's perseverance. It also, it says it marks the fifth group of inmates to receive their degrees through the program since it started in 2007. That's just very, very cool. Um, All right, last couple of stories I got. Uh, I I like it when someone remembers where they're from. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Someone gets rich and famous, and they don't forget where they came from, or for that matter, don't forget how privileged they are. Um, You hear too often about the sense of entitlement that you see uh, in, um, in elites who, who, who wind up totally forgetting the fact that they are blessed to live in the nation that we live in. Well, two things happened in the last few weeks that I thought were cool. One happened about three and a half weeks ago. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So he's, I mean, big dude. Um, he's, he'd, been a, he'd been a football player, obviously, back in the day. And he says that on CBS Story, dated November 30th, that Dwayne Johnson said he had finally exercised his chocolate demons when he returned to a 7-Eleven in Hawaii to right the wrongs of stealing candy when he was a teenager. (laughs) He said that literally he used to go by there almost every day and steal a Snickers bar for energy when he went to football practice. And he says he knows it might seem silly now, but he decided he had to do something about it. So he went to the store. He bought every Snickers they had in stock to include what was in inventory in the back. $298 $298 of Snickers bars, and he gave them out to anybody who walked in the store. And, and he said it was just an opportunity for him to say, I did something stupid when I was a kid. I can't fix it now, but I can certainly come back and do this. And, uh, and I thought that was a cool story. That's, that's worth telling. That's, that's cool. That's a good news story to end good on. Good news. Last one I got for you, all my brethren and sistren in right side of ruffian land. You know, Shaquille O'Neal's got a great sense of humor. He always seems to have the ability to uh, to smile and to be like he's you know he's like he's okay with things. I've never heard uh, a negative out of him that I know of. And uh, CBS News has a story that dated today that Shaquille O'Neal, uh, his son apparently plays basketball in Houston, and he was down there visiting. And there's a restaurant that he likes to go to. It's a Houston deli. Um, it's called uh, Kenny and Ziggy's New York Delicatessen. And so he went down to Kenny and Ziggy's, and they have a room there. Um, uh, what's the name of that room? It's a, it's a, it's called the schmooze room. It's a schmooze room. It's where you can have sort of private gatherings or whatever else. And there are about, you know, I don't know. There's quite a few people there. Shaquille O'Neal went in, decided for Christmas and New Year's he was going to pay for everybody's meal in the schmooze room. Don't know how many that was, but the room seats up to 75 people. So Shaq walks in the door, and you can always tell when Shaq's there anyway because he's the biggest guy in the room. But he decided he was going to pay for everybody's meal. 
and he did. All right, folks, there's a way to end a year, ending on a good note. Listen, we love you. Right Side Ruffians, y'all stay safe. Have an amazing new year. We'll see you next week in the year 2023. Boomer and I, we appreciate this audience more than you could possibly know. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, just plain right.